Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Morning. Happy Lord's Day. Stand with me as we read from God's Word. And we are about to hear the Word or rather God speaking to us through His Word. We'll have a reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, all the way down to chapter 4 and verse 2. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The grass withers and the flowers fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as your word is opened right before us, Lord, we humbly ask for the work of the Holy Spirit in teaching our hearts and our minds that we may truly revere your word and see it as the sole authority of our lives and conduct. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your seats. A young Catholic man, because the church was Catholic at the time, small C, not big C, and many of us are always asking why do we read the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed that says, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Well, Catholic, we are not saying Roman Catholic. We are saying Catholic means universal. So a young man who was passionate for his religion get, only got a hold of Scripture when he was on his way to becoming a professor of the Bible. He was studying in the seminary, but there was a time that he was not allowed to hold a Bible, to own a scripture. But instead, they were asked to study science and physics in the seminary. 
only later when he was about to become a professor that he was allowed to have a copy of the scripture. And he fell in love with the scripture. He fell in love with the scripture, although his love for the scripture took a dive every time he read in the scripture about the righteousness of God. Every time he read it, the righteousness of God, he shunned it. No, ayaw niya pong mabasa yung the righteousness of God. According to Michael Horton, who wrote a chapter on the legacy of this man, he said, he could only think of the righteousness of God that moves to condemn the righteous. In other words, every time he reads of the righteousness of God in his thinking, it is the very righteousness of God that fuels God to condemn the unrighteous. There's certain truth in that. If God is righteous, he should condemn the unrighteous. It was when he was studying Romans chapter 1 to 3 because he was teaching it in the seminary that his eyes were open and he began to realize that it does not say my righteousness but the righteousness of God. That it is not talking about his righteousness, it is talking about the righteousness of God. And I would not uh, be surprised that when he was reading Romans chapter 1 to 3, it was Romans 3, 21 to 25 that opened his eyes about the beauty of this teaching on the righteousness of God. In his diary, he wrote, Night and day, I pondered until I grasped the truth. Therefore, I felt myself to be reborn and have gone through the open doors into paradise. The whole scripture took a new meaning. And whereas, whereas before the righteousness of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me inexpressibly sweet in greater love. This passage in Paul became for me a gateway to heaven. This young man is Martin Luther, who started the Reformation. And it is when his eyes is opened with the truth of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that has led Luther to a series of trouble. Luther began to see the problem in the church at the time, leading him eventually to nail his 95 Theses, his 95 Theses at the door of the castle church at Wittenberg, Germany, that led to the Reformation. Luther did not cause a little trouble to the troubled church. He actually caused big troubles, especially that he wrote several writings, including um, an explanation of the 95 Theses. The 95 Theses is actually protesting against the indulgences of the church, that you can actually buy your salvation through that indulgence. And secondly, he was protesting against uh, the authority of the head of the church, the Pope at the time, to actually give forgiveness. 
After some time, Luther, at the Diet of Worms in 1521, the Diet of Worms, it is a gathering of all the bishops. Luther was called on the Diet of Worms 1521, and it was presided by no other than Emperor Charles V, by the emperor himself. And Luther was asked to recant his views on the indulgences, the papal authority, and his attack to certain people or leaders in the church. Luther's response is that first, he could not recant his attack on indulgences and the papal authority because in his conscience, he said, in my conscience, I could not give my affirmation to this kind of teaching and it will only lead to more abuses. Now, Luther was apologetic. He, was, he apologized in his harsh words towards some people. But Luther said, I apologize for my words, but the substance of what I said, I will not recant. It was said during this, Luther asked for a whole day what he would respond. And the next day, it was told that Luther concluded his speech with these words. Unless I am convinced that the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either the Pope or in councils alone, since, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by scriptures and my conscience is captive to the word. I cannot and will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. It was Luther who fought for the authority that the scripture is the church's sole authority. What was being discussed at the time is not that if scripture is inerrant, it, it, it was not what was being discussed. The problem at the time is that the prevailing church of their day believed that it's not just the word, but it is also the some sort of interpretation of the council headed by the Pope. And we call it tradition today that it is equal to the scripture. Now that leads us to our question this morning. Is the scripture enough as the source of the norm and practice of faith? Is it enough? Do we need another writings? Do we need traditions? Or is scripture enough? And what was being discussed at the time is the clarity of scripture. Because many would say, well, yes, but there are so many parts of the scripture that is not clear. Is the scripture clear enough? Well, it is clear enough for the major teaching that we should espouse, or all churches should espouse. It is clear enough, and we will be looking at that today. So our title for today's message is one of the five solas of the Reformation, the word alone. At take note, it is not just the word. The stress is in the word alone. 
the word alone? Is the word enough? That's what we are dealing here. Is it enough? And if we ask that question, it is still very broad. It is enough for what? Is it enough to learn physics? Is it enough to learn and understand uh, medicines, for example, or mathematics? Enough for what? Well, it is enough for its purpose. And the purpose of the scripture is not to come up all the medicines that we need for our sickness. The purpose of the scripture is not the key to becoming rich. The purpose of the scripture is not so that we would know how to deal with every situation, for example, or in our workplace. The scripture is not even about how to have a good marriage. It touches on that. But the scripture we know, and we already understand because we have been talking about this over and over again, that the scripture is about the redemption of God through Jesus Christ. And, and these people of God, are the, through or through these people of God, God would reflect himself. God would display himself through this redemption. That is what the scripture is all about. And the scripture is enough for that purpose. The scripture is enough for that particular purpose. Now, just a prelude, because we might be thinking, well, we accept that, Pastor, but later on we will go to the implication of that truth. And it might, you know, it might disturb us a little, it might shake us a little bit in terms of our practices. But let us first establish that the word alone is the authority of our norm and practices. And there's no better text to use but Second Timothy chapter 3. Obviously, let me just give you a little bit of a background. The problem, the main problem of the church of Ephesus that Timothy was pastoring was false teaching. And, and the problem was not simply false teaching, but many of these false teachers used to be elders in the church. Paul was prophetic in Acts chapter 20, where he said that many of, of the leaders in the church will turn to be wolves. And that was what was hard for Timothy, because you are dealing against your titos and your oh, titos. I would suppose to say Titas. No, we are complementarian and Timothy and Paul was complementarian. Um, he will be going against his Titus. And, and for the young Timothy and Timid, it was hard. It was extremely hard for Timothy. And particularly here in Second Timothy, we understand that, that Timothy was quite wavering uh, for to his commitment to declare the word of God. We find that one in verse 6 and 7 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul has to admonish Timothy, fund the flame or of, of the gift that God has given you. You said, Timothy. And Paul admonished or encouraged him, saying, because the Lord did not give us the spirit of timidity. And clearly, it speaks of Timothy who was timid and fearful because of his situation. And I would, not, I would not blame Timothy. That was a hard situation 
that Timothy was. Now, but for several reasons here in 2 Timothy, it was particularly hard for Timothy. One, in chapter 1, verses 8 to 18, we understand that if he would preach the word of God faithfully, there is a possibility that he would also be imprisoned like Paul, who was imprisoned in the time of writing. He was even asking Timothy in chapter 1, verse 8, suffer with me. And when Paul said, suffer with me, he was really saying, be willing to be put in chains as well, Timothy. And then in chapter 2, Paul called Timothy to rightly interpret the scripture. Because that is the heart of raising up men who would be for honorable use. Faithful men who will preach the word of God faithfully as well. He is supposed to straight cut or to interpret the word of God rightly in the midst of worldliness. So if there's one thing in 2 Timothy, it is really a call to be faithful to his ministry, to be faithful to the preaching of God's word and follow the example of Paul who suffered because of the word. So this is what chapter 3 and chapter 4 is all about. And yes, it takes the Spirit of God to give us courage, love, and self-control. But also, in our passage this morning, also the conviction of God's Word. What do we see or how do we see the Scripture? What is the Bible for us? And Timothy have to bring, or rather Paul have to bring this to Timothy again. Remember what the word of God is, Timothy, that you may preach the word. You preach the word alone. His exhortation in verse 2. So here's my main idea, and I'll be circling around this. Our conviction of the sufficiency of God's word for our salvation and sanctification would persuade us of its sufficiency for our instruction. Yung ating pong conviction, pagkakaintindi sa, sa sufficiency ng salita po ng Panginoon will persuade us that, that it is enough for our instruction as a church. So let's go with the first one. Scripture is sufficient for salvation. And we don't need some music. We don't need to mellow down the gospel. The scripture is sufficient for our salvation. It should be noted that Paul is actually calling Timothy to be different. Look at verse 14. It started with, but as for you, he was actually contrasting Timothy with those evildoers that he said, imposters that he said in verse 13. Deceiving and being deceived. But on contrary, on the contrary, that he was asking Timothy to suffer for the gospel, because as Paul said in verse 12 of chapter 3, all the desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All the desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It was a call to suffer. It's so different because today when we talk about 
oh, I'm gonna be a pastor, I will be preaching. We think about the glamour. We think about, oh, that's such a good thing. I would stand in front and I would talk. No, but, but this call is a call to suffer. It was hard for Timothy. Timothy knew his situation. That, that the pulpit is not really for exalting oneself. It is for exalting God. And by doing that one, you will make for yourselves enemies. You will make for yourselves people who do not, who would not like what you would be teaching. So what would make Timothy faithful to the word? Paul did not persuade Timothy to preach the word alone with anything else. He was not saying, use that Timothy because your congregation will become big. That's not what he said. Use that Timothy because you will be looked up by the world. You will be, people will search you in YouTube. And they will follow your Instagram. That's not what he said. He said, Timothy, be faithful to the word because of what the word of God is. In other words, Paul simply pointed the sufficiency of God's word. That it is enough. That it is sufficient. The first thing that Paul pointed is the, script, is the sufficiency of the scripture to make one understand salvation. To make one understand salvation. Notice the word continue in verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue. This is the main command here. This simply means remain or stay. Well, the pressure that Timothy had to succumb to false teaching. And I could imagine that people are talking about these false teachers as gifted speakers. They were sought upon speakers, public speakers, and they are gaining probably a following and even fame. And it was a pressure for Timothy. But most especially these people are prospering and not, not even one are persecuting them. And you can feel the heart of Timothy because Probably these false teachers even were loved by the people because according to Timoth to Paul in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4, what these false teachers are giving are the things that will tickle the ears of the people. The lo they love to hear it. it. Messages that the congregation will say, preach it, brother. I want to hear more of it. It was a pressure. And Paul admonished Timothy Timothy, this is, this is tempting to adhere and embrace those teachings, but stay on your lane. Continue. No wonder Paul also said to the Colossians, who were also exposed to false teaching, to remain, to continue, and continue to walk in the face. What was it that Paul needs to continue on? Because if you look at the scripture, if you look at verses 14 to 15, you might be lost. What was it that Paul has, or Timothy has to continue? Let me re quickly read. But as for you, continue, he said, in what you have learned and have firmly believed. This is what you have been holding on this time, Timothy. What was it? You knew it from your Jewish mother, Eunice. Because Timothy's father was not a Jew, 
So Timothy learned it from his mother. You know your mother is godly and you learned it from him. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings. So the sacred writings was the source of what Timothy believed. Of what Timothy have learned. But it does not answer the question, what is it that he has to continue on? It says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There we go. Timothy has to continue to hold on to what he firmly believes that he learned from his mother and from the scripture, which is salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Continue to be faithful to the gospel. Continue to hold on to this teaching that salvation is through faith in Christ Jesus. We realize it has always been the challenge. Even Paul has to tell Timothy, because if there is one truth that would be constantly attacked, it is the purity of the gospel. It is the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No church, I believe, swerved from the church, from the truth overnight. I think many churches have found themselves lost because of a slowly and gradual erosion from the truth. Now let's just accept a little bit of that. It does not change the gospel. What's wrong if we will not, if we try to be very careful and not offend people when we share the gospel? It is this slow compromise or little compromises that eventually we realize we are far from the main teaching of the scripture and that is salvation through faith in Christ alone. Well, we are not, again, sure of what was the post teaching itself, but in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 7 to 11, we understand that there were people who thought that salvation by law. Also in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, we also understand that there were those who thought that you need to deprive yourself as it is season. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do not even get a hold of that because if you can... Deprive yourself of all these good things, then you can be saved. And that's the key to having more of God. Whatever that is, both of these were an attack to the sufficiency of the finished work of Christ. Hanggang ngayon po yung mga malilit na bagay, it is always attacking the sufficiency of what Jesus has done in the cross of Calvary. And we can sense the importance of this truth because Paul command, commanded Timothy, continue on that. Hold on to that, Timothy. And we will not deal much of Christ alone and faith alone because we will be talking about it on the next Sundays to come. We'll have one Sunday where we get to talk about Christ alone and where we get to talk about faith alone. What we want to focus today is the very thing that makes one understand these truths. Paul described the sacred writings, referring to the Old Testament, 
because Jews actually called the Old Testament sacred writings. And right now applies to all of the Bible. So the sacred writings, it's now applied to all the Bible. Paul said that the sacred writings is able to make one wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Able. Donimus, which means, or the same word as our English word dynamite. When I was growing up, we used to uh, go to the, to the sea, and there are fishers who used dynamite fishing. And while we are swimming, we can hear that loud bang. We know that someone has thrown a dynamite. When you talk about dynamite, power always comes into mind. In fact, in the scripture, many times this word is actually translated power. In other words, Paul is saying, because the word has, is powerful to make one wise for salvation. Makapangyarihan po ang salita ng Panginoon na ipaintindi sa atin kung ano po yung kaligtasan. But what makes the scripture powerful is it does not just make us understand for just, again, anything. It is powerful because it is powerful for one to understand salvation. I think that's the most powerful thing. Um, dynamite, you can do that. What's other powers here in the world? But there is no or nothing that man can invent that can make him understand salvation. It's just the scripture. And it's powerful because what is at stake is not fish. As for the dynamite, where you can get a lot of fish. What is powerful is not, is, is, we're not just talking about economy. It's so powerful because it makes our economy grow. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about eternal destiny. We're talking about hell-bound man who has no capacity to change his understanding. And by the scripture, he's given the wisdom for salvation. So this is talking about what the scripture is teaching. It's not, it is not that the scripture that saves. Oh, that's controversial. The scripture does not save. Because if the scripture saves, then just bring your Bible with you and you will be saved. Slip it, you know, slip with it and you're saved because you have the scripture. It is what the scripture is pointing to. It is the salvation that the scripture is teaching. And very beautiful because Paul was not using the New Testament here. He was using the Old Testament, understanding the Old Testament, and Paul understood that even the Old Testament is teaching salvation. In fact, if we, if we are to be uh, a little bit um, technical here, it should have been translated, it makes one wise into salvation. What's the difference? Say into salvation, it, it, it means then that it brings one from the state of being unsaved to being saved. Scripture gives us an understanding that transfers us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. 
Because again, Scripture is teaching these central truths. Salvation is through faith in Christ Jesus. This is the main story of the Scripture, the story of redemption to which the Lord revealed Himself. No one gets to understand this apart from Scripture. No one gets to understand salvation apart from the Word of God. It, it was because of the Word of Promise in Genesis 3.15 that Adam named his wife Eve. And the name Eve means the mother of all being or of all human. And how can he name his wife Eve when he knew that he was guilty of sin against God and supposed to die? Because he understand the promise in Genesis 3.15. It was because of the word that Abram was taken out of the city of Ur to the land of promise from paganism to worshiping the God or the true God. Same goes with Moses. Thus, Again, the scripture is right when it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Psalm 119, verse 114, it's beautiful when it says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. We do not need anything to understand salvation but scripture. Because it is the only thing that is able to make one wise for salvation. We do not need anything to understand salvation but scripture. Because it is the only thing that is able to make one wise for salvation. And four characteristics of the scripture that theologian um says these are very important. Um, and one of it, one of which, well, we have the authority of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture. But one, the fourth one is the necessity of Scripture. Nothing would happen if not through the Word of God. It should be clear to us already at this point, isn't it? We look upon last week, where nothing will be created unless God speaks. The word of God is always central. So it is not through dreams or visions, although we heard um, the, the Muslims today saying they dreamed and they saw um, a, some form of manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not what saves. It might be used by God, to lead one to the understanding of Scripture. Lead one to study the Bible. But it is always the Word of God that God uses to bring one to the understanding of salvation. <clears throat> but the Scripture is not only sufficient for salvation. Paul continued saying that it is also sufficient for the man of God Clearly refers to those who understood salvation to be complete. So let's go to our second point. 
Scripture is sufficient for sanctification. Scripture is sufficient for sanctification. If we analyze Paul's train of thought, kung susundan po natin yung, yung mind ni Paul, we get to understand that everyone who understood salvation should be fully equipped for every good work. And it is the same scripture which sufficiently teaches salvation that would accomplish the furnishing or yung pag-provide po ng lahat ng kailangan ng man of God to do every good work. Um, opportunity presented before him to do good work. Scripture is sufficient. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 Again it reads, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Again, this is a passage used one of the passage, if not the main passage, when we are teaching the doctrine of the Word of God. Uh, it's authority, necessity, clarity, and sufficiency. This is a main passage to look at. And these things are reflections of God being the one who spoke out the Scripture. Or in other words, why does the Scripture authoritative? Why is it that the Scripture is necessary? Why is it that the scripture is clear? And why is it that the scripture is sufficient? And the clear answer here is that because it is God who, who spoke it. I want to draw two things about the scripture from this passage, which, is, which are very clear. First, scripture is breathed out by God. That's clear. The inspiration of the scripture, the doctrine of the inspiration of the scripture stands on this passage. An inspiration of scripture, again, it means that God superintended, yung writing of scripture so that, kahit si Peter, ay ginagamit po ni Peter yung kanyang intellect, emotions, and personality, and even their writing capacities. Kaya ang sabi po ni, ni Peter paminsan na, Ang hirap basahin ni Paul. Well, that's understandable because a fisherman reading a writing of a lawyer would really have a hard time. It reflects. It would reflect that, that they write in different ways. Yet, every word written in the original is God's word. That's the inspiration of the scripture. However, the beauty of this passage that brings assurance that what is being claimed here is that all scripture in God's word is in the word theopneustos. In other translation, it is actually translated breathed in or inspired. Inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God and that's right, theologically speaking. But theopneustos does not mean inspired but expired. That's why um, ESV is right in translating is breathe out. It is breathed out by God, which is 
basically what happens when we speak. We've been going this back and forth that when you speak, you cannot at the same time breathe in. When you speak, it means you breathe out. R.C. Sproul commented, he said, Though the word is usually translated inspired, which means breathe in, technically, theopnostos refers to breathing out, which might more accurately be translated expired. Expiration. Paul is saying that scripture is expired or breathed out by God. Well, simply put, Paul claimed here that all scripture is God's word. This is like when we say, when there are, there are arguments, who said so? Who said these words? And sometimes we said, I said those words. It's like I breathe out those words. I was the one who said those words. And, and Paul is saying here, God is like claiming, I spoke those words. Those words are mine. Those words are mine. I said those words. So in other words, this text is simply claiming that all scripture is God's word. All scripture is God's word. Now, why is it important? It is important because if it is God's word, then it is sufficient for its purpose. We've seen the attribute and the characteristic of God's word when God said, let there be light. And we were told, and there was light. That was profound. In other words, when God says things, it will accomplish its purpose. Let there be moon and stars and everything were accomplished by his word. So would the Bible accomplish its very purpose? Looking at creation, we would already know it would accomplish its purpose because the one speaking is not Peter himself or Perse or by himself. It was not Paul himself. They were instruments of God, but the one speaking is God Himself, And if God speaks his word, it will accomplish its purpose. Now we better understand uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, which the second thing I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to point here is that scripture is sufficient for the purpose of furnishing the man of God with everything he needs to do every good work. Scripture is sufficient. Sorry, I, if it is flashed on the screen, I think the word sufficient is not there, but it's supposed to be there. Scripture is sufficient for the purpose of furnishing the man of God with everything he needs to do every good work. Look at what Paul said. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And here's the purpose in verse 17. That the man of God may be completes. Well, Paul detailed the prof what we benefit from God's word. We will be taught, we will be reproved, reproved, sorry, for we will be corrected and we will be trained. The goal and the main thing is that the man of God will be complete. That's the goal. That the man of God will be complete. And we will appreciate these words of Paul if we Look at the false teaching that 
you know, pumasok po sa, sa Church of Ephesus. Again, there were those who teach that you will be saved by law-keeping, and there were those who, who taught that you will be saved if you will deprive yourself from all of these good things. And somehow, Paul is claiming that we need not those teaching outside the Scripture for us to be complete. We don't need psychology today for us to be complete. We do not need self-help teaching for us to be complete. We do not need a prosperity gospel for us to be complete. Anything or any teaching that is not faithful to the Scripture, we do not need that one if we are to grow into Christ. Complete here is clearly used to describe a mature man of God. John Calvin wrote in his commentary of 2 Timothy, this is what John Calvin said. Perfect means here a blameless person, one in whom there is nothing defective, for he asserts absolutely that the scripture is sufficient for perfection. In other words, for maturity. Maybe Paul used the word complete here because in other writings of Paul, like Colossians 1, 28, he used actually another word and it's translated mature or perfect. But why did Paul use the word complete instead of mature or perfect? Probably it's because of the situation that he was telling the, the um, Timothy that you don't need anything for God's people to be mature because the scripture is complete. Just as the scripture is complete, you can be complete through scripture. Or again, mature through scripture. And I like the fact, I like the fact that Paul spelled out the details which seem to tell us whatever you need to be mature, the scripture provides. If you need to know what is right. Many, many times we just don't know what is right. The scripture teaches us. And those times that we know what is right, yet we do what is wrong, the scripture rebukes us. And in those times that we know what is right, but we misapply it, we do not know how to apply it, the scripture corrects us. And if we are weak in applying scripture, the scripture trains us. In other words, whatever we need to live righteously. Kung ano yung kakailanganin natin upang in our situation we can respond righteously, the scripture provides it. The scripture provides it. That's why for us readers, yes, it's good to read uh, the writings of our theologians, favorite theologians, that's good. Please continue to read. But if you're saying, Pastor, I was not able to read the Bible because I was so into John Piper. I have not been reading the scripture because what I do in the morning is I listen to a Lester Begg. No, they don't replace scripture. Scripture is the one furnished with everything we need so we can do every good work. This is the reason why Paul gave a description of a complete man of God. He said, equipped for every good work. 
Equipped means furnished. You have been given everything you need to do every good work. And clearly it, it involves our gifts. It, it might even involve our resources to do what we need to do in a certain situation. But given the context, given the context, it is primarily what the Word of God supplies. So we would understand what is righteous in every given situation. In other words, it is the correction that, God, that the Word of God provides. It is the teaching that the Word of God provides. It is the rebuke that the Word of God provides. It is the training that the Word of God provides. That you are equipped with everything you need to do every good work. So if we are talking, or if our desire in life is, is I just want to be Christ-like. And not simply, I want to be successful, but I want to live like Christ. If you're saying, is the scripture enough so that I will be good in the things I do in work? Well, technically speaking, the scripture might not have some or might not answer some of your questions. What do I mean? If you're a programmer, do you go to scripture so you would learn how to program? No. Right? But if your main desire is to be like Christ, to do every good work presented before you, the scripture is sufficient. Scripture, again, is sufficient for our sanctification. Peter somewhere else said, the divine power of God has granted us, it has already granted us, all things pertaining to life and godliness. But then he says, through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of Christ. Here's the thing, church. We cannot expect ourselves. We cannot expect ourselves to mature without turning to God's word, whether for teaching, rebuking, correcting, or training. We cannot mature or we cannot expect ourselves to mature without turning to God's word. Skipping the manual, which we do with our gadgets again. Uh, we don't want to read the manual of, you don't want to read your manual for Apple, your Apple 13. You don't need the manual, you don't need the manual so you would drive your car. We skip that part. We skip that part. And it's fine. But when we talk about maturity, you cannot skip the manual. And there's no, there's no skipping the manual. We cannot just say, I will learn things through practical ways. In the practical things in life, I would learn. No, no, one's, no one should skip the manual. Because the growth is that done by the manual. Sanctification, when we were talking about sanctification in our doctrinal class, sanctification is not just an outward change. Sanctification is an inward change that results to the outward change. And the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to make that inward change so that the outward change will happen. That is what sanctification is. And if we want that to happen in our lives, there is no skipping the manual. You read 
the word. If you may, the word of God stands in between your present life and your transformation. Unless we read the word, we will not be taught. We will not be rebuked. We will not be corrected. And we will not be trained. All of it we need for righteousness. So, very practical if we find ourselves perplexed. What am I going to do in this situation? And you roam around, you text your friends because you want to hear. And that's good. That's getting counsel. You walk around your room thinking, what am I going to do? And you did all practical things except opening the Bible and knowing what it says about our situation. That's not key to growing. Turn to God's word. This should lead us to our third point. Our third point will serve as our implication for the first two points because our third point is false. Implication. Ito po yung implikasyon na binigay ni Paul after arguing na ang salita po ng Diyos ay sapat both for justification or salvation at yung pagbabago po ng buhay natin. Then we understand why Paul then in, in chapter 4 commanded Timothy to preach the word. So here's our third point. Scripture is sufficient for our instruction. Scripture is sufficient for our instruction. Verse four, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, so it's just drawing authority from God and Jesus Christ. We're not going to focus on that. But here's the command. Preach the word. Preach the word. It says, regardless of your circumstance, in season and out of season, in those times that you feel like the, the people of God loves to hear God's word, or in those times that you preach God's word and everyone are sleeping, preach the word. He then said, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. In other words, what? Ever the word of God requires of your preaching. If your preaching requires you to rebuke God's people, to correct God's people, or to exhort God's people, then do it. Just preach the word. Do everything what your people that your people will understand. Thus, look at what Paul said at the last part. He said, with complete patience and complete teaching, preach the word. And by these surrounding exhortations, ito pong nakapalibot dito sa main command, we understand that Paul took away any reason that a preacher would come up not to preach the word. He's saying, you don't have any reason. This is by God's divine command. And you will do this one, whatever the circumstance. And you would have to preach the word, even if you have, if you have to rebuke God's people. Timothy you don't have any reason at all. You have to preach the word. <clears throat> See why? Paul understood. Paul understood how much the church needs the word. He understood how much 
the people of God needs the word. And I would not be surprised. One day I'll ask Paul, what was in your mind when you write that one? I will not be surprised that he's saying, I just read the book of Deuteronomy. And I just remember the apostles, the other apostles who told me that Jesus quoted this text. When Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Paul had a deep conviction that the, word, that the church will die, that the church will grow cold, that the church would not have life at all because the life of the church depends upon every single truth of Scripture. That's why he said, with complete patience, if they don't get you, maybe you prepared badly on that particular Sunday, Timothy, and they don't get it, work hard, be, be patient with them, work hard again. And maybe, Timothy, you were not able to really explain to them the truth. Do it again. Study and prepare with complete teaching. Let them understand the whole counsel of God. The church of God needs to understand the word of God because unless they do, they will never be equipped with everything they need for every good work. In light of verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4, Understanding the word of God will keep the people of God from running after false teaching. But I think more than that, more than that, he says preach the word because the maturity of the church lies on the preaching of the word. The maturity of the church lies on the preaching of the word. So if our goal, I don't know what's your goal in life, you should have. Because one pastor always said in his preaching, if you don't have a goal, Messiah, you are kwangol. You know that. Okay, let's skip. Um, We do not need, if our goal is to be Christ-like, we do not need some ecstatic experience. Because the word of God is sufficient. So what do we do? Or so what do we want to happen with us? Now let me ask this church, what do you want to happen in your life? If you want to be a spiritual guru, that other people would be amazed that you are so, that you have this spiritual experience like a magic thing. Now you don't need a scripture for that. But if you want to be Christ-like, in love, in holiness, in conduct, in speech, in humility, if that is our desire, then scripture is sufficient. It is sufficient. If it is, then here's our implication. The word alone is the rule for our lives in practice. The word alone is the rule for our lives in practice. Let me point out very quickly some things. We should have the scripture as the source of the norm 
and practice of our faith. That is, so remember, Luther earlier was protesting because something is put side by side with the scripture. And we may not, we may say, well, we don't rely on, on traditions anymore, pastor. But there are things in life today that we sometimes put side by side with the scripture. And what I mean by that is sometimes our own experience, we put it or we, ob- we are oblivious of putting it side by side with the scripture as if our spiritual experience is equal to the scripture. However great was that experience, it's not equal to Scripture. And Paul is very passionate to this because if you try to look at it, Paul is saying, because you have a wrong understanding, look at your life. You live greedy lives, ungodliness, hatred, immorality, because what you believe results to your life. So very important then that Scripture is a sole authority because it affects our lives. Soon we will study why we stand with cessationism um, so that we would understand rather healthy that cessationism does not mean God could not make miracles. It does not mean that one but that the scripture is enough for its purpose. And secondly, that you don't need those miracles for the gospel to be validated. We'll be looking at that soon. But secondly, we need to continuously learn. In the Reformation, they have what they call a simper reformanda. In other words, always reforming. The church is always Reforming because the church is always growing in her understanding of the word. One pastor told me that he was faithful for the word of God for years and there was nothing that happened to the lives of his people. And worse, there were no new people coming to the church. And he told me, Pastor, I might as well follow the ways of the sicker sensitive churches. And in my heart, I was not bold enough to tell him. But in my heart, I was thinking the problem is not that you preach God's word, but maybe you did not preach it enough. Because if we grow in our understanding of God's word and teach it to God's people, as our understanding grows, then the people of God grows. So semper reformanda, meaning to say for we will be growing in our understanding of Scripture. And as we grow in our understanding of Scripture, we change. Thirdly, how about the difficult passages in Scripture? Some would claim that the Scripture is not clear in a lot of things. On the contrary, Scripture is very clear. It is very clear. The problem with us at times is that we are more interested about crucial controversial things instead of what we really need to understand. We focus more on the questionable passages instead of the clear ones. One rule of interpretation is this. We should let Scripture interpret Scripture. 
let scripture interpret scripture. And again, the general rule, let the clear ones in the scripture interpret the difficult ones. And if we labor hard, we, un- we would understand that scripture is actually clear. And this should be true with our personal reading, by the way. That's why we got you covered. Please join the small group where we can learn together how to interpret the scripture rightly. And lastly, we should ask wisdom in applying the word. And the word of God does not tell us directly what you need to do. And the problem with us many times is that we stop with understanding the word. So when we are reading, wow, this is what the word of God means. But we don't ask God for wisdom on how to apply that word into our situation. When we do that one, we are hearers of God's word and not doers of God's word. So when we read the scripture, we are not yet done when we understood the scripture. We're not yet done. When we understand it, then we should ask God for wisdom. How can I apply this truth? into my life because the goal is transformed life not just to have a lot of this information so it's the word alone it's the word alone everything pertaining to the practice of our faith in our lives and as a church should flow from the word of God and nothing else and nothing else so we cannot understand Stand the nature, authority, clarity, and sufficiency of Scripture and allow anything to be of equal authority with it instead of upholding it as the only source of the norm and practice of our faith. We cannot allow anything to be of equal authority to Scripture. May we have this Strong commitment to God's word. Paul said to Timothy, be willing to suffer for it, Timothy. And may we in our own way echo in spirit these words of Luther. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reasons, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot, will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help us. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that calls us to acknowledge it as the sole authority of our norm and practice in our individual lives, and as a church. Father, we pray that you'll give us wisdom so we would understand your word better and be transformed. Give you honor. Give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.